July. You need to be done. You really need to be over with. I swear, guys, this is the most tested motherfucker I have had in probably my adult life anyway, so I don't know how, how long you class that. But anyway, in the words of Public Enemies, Chuck D, bring the noise. Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a bit late on this one, I know, but I did say, you know, I did, I did say on Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, that I'm going to be late on this one. But I'm dropping it regardless because I didn't want to not drop an episode. I didn't want to have that again, uh, even though the same situation came up. But I just. Uh, I don't know. I guess I got. I guess I'm. I guess I'm lucky in this fashion of trying to actually get my get my stuff out. So even though, anyway. With that said, um, I'll talk about that later. Actually, um, part of the life segment, and it's going to be very personal and just basically just basically getting some stuff off my chest. To be honest, so stay tuned for that. That's gonna be that's gonna be fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, other than that, it's, uh, it's been. Like I said, it's been a trying week. I can't really make no bones about it. <laughs> I've had a lot of stuff. I've been trying to learn new things. I've been trying to do the same things. And this past couple of these past twenty four hours have been the only time I've actually been able to chill. And what do I do when I chill? For some reason, I'm recording. <laughs> but you know, this is low key therapeutic for me, so I'm fine with that. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Without further ado. Formalities. Formalities. Before we begin, we have the email. We have the Facebook. We have the Twitter. You know what the deal is. They're all in the description below. If you want to hear me up in any fashion, please hit me up in any fashion. <laughs> and uh, yeah, with that said, let the bee come in. Let's get on with the show. In a week where... Now, this is weird because I'm recording this on a Friday. And I feel behind. I feel behind. I feel like these, some of these news items are a bit dead. <laughs> but but I, I, but I have them, so I'm just going to talk about them regardless. I think they're still they're always they're always worth talking about. You know, I don't really care about uh, what's the word um, timeliness. I don't. I'm saying saying you know I don't, I'm not really breaking news here. I think Channel Four. I'm not supposed to be on point every time, so it doesn't really matter. But anyway, in a week where more than 30 whistleblowers give evidence to Quality Watchdog on Labour anti-Semitism, how, how, how can a party fumble the bag when the Conservatives are this trash? Like, how can you be more trash? It's like a competition, I swear. Uh, it's, it's really a competition of who's more crap. And at this point, I don't know why you'd vote for any of them, to be honest. But especially the top two, I don't really know why you would. So I can't really find a reason why you would anymore. But anyway... Uh, one in eight. <laughs> this is great. Uh, according to a YouGov poll, uh, one in eight men, which is twelve percent, say they could win a point in a game of tennis against Serena Williams. <laughs> I would love to see that. To be honest, I really would. I really would. I actually, uh, on a side note, I actually saw a video uh, by Katie Nolan, who who has her own show on uh, ESPN in America. 
And she does this thing where she gets dudes off Twitter who, you know, try and say, oh, I could do that easy. And they actually get them to do it. And uh, obviously they always fail and they have to take the L on national television. I would really want that. I would want Serena Williams to take one of these one in eight men and destroy them. I would love to see that. That would be amazing television. So let's uh, let's. I don't know who who wants to get on that, but that's open source. Go for it. That's uh, um. What's the word? Um. Uh, uh. Yeah, it's open source. Go for it. If you want to, if you wanted to go for it, go for it. Uh, in a crazy sporting weekend, which was last weekend, <laughs> we're pretty much into the next weekend, which is crazy. Uh, Serena lost to Simone Halep in Wimbledon. Djokovic beat Federer in a five game, uh, a five set. Sorry, epic. England won the quicker World, cricket World Cup. <laughs> Shout out to Ben, digging digits. Uh, Lewis Hamilton won the British Grand Prix, the first person to win it six times. I'm telling you, GOAT status is coming. GOAT status is really close. Really close for Lewis. Can't wait for the day when it's undeniable and you lot have to accept it. Can't wait for that day. Mm. Oh, can't wait. It's going to taste so good. Sipping on your tears. Uh, Schumacher is still great. <laughs> uh, the proportion of students getting a first-class degree in England has risen by 80% in the last eight years. Shout out to all the people at uh, Sony University who have graduated in the past week. Uh, well, well, yeah, past past week or so, past ten days anyway. Shout out to you guys and everyone in the UK. Obviously, I kind of I, feel, I kind of feel like we have um, it's like a uh, The Incredibles, you know, where um, uh, if you know, if everyone's super, no one will be. And if everyone has a first-class degree, technically no one will be. You know, no one will have one. You know what I mean? So, I'm kind of, I'm kind of happy about that, but also not happy about that because it's just, it, it doesn't. Having a degree doesn't get you a job anymore. You know, it doesn't really. It's, it's, it's not, it's not as easy as it used to be. And um, I think that's just reality that we need to face when people go to university. When we send our children to university, going like, you might not get a job out of this. You might not. You'll get a degree out of it, but you might not get a job out of it, um, unless you do a master's or a PhD or anything further than that. You know, you need to you need to take that step up actually to get the job you want. It's just how it is. And also, lastly, Scarlett Johansson, the highest paid actress right now, in a cover story of As If magazine, quote: "As an actor, I should be able to play any person or any tree or any animal, <laughs> because that is my job and the requirements of my job." Now, I will say for context that she did pull back on those comments. She did say something else about it and, uh, you know, kind of took a step back from them. But Scarlett, you need to realise, you know, a white woman acting as a, you know, as an Asian robot is not equivalent to acting as a tree, okay? Let's just get out of the way. You can't, you can't, you can't equate that. You can't equate being an inanimate object to being a person of a different race. It's, it's not that. It's not that same level. Not the same level. Uh, and there's and that's just the surface. That's just the surface point I have to make. <laughs> I could make so many more, but I'll I'll continue anyway. So we begin with our first. I uh, actually have a uh, two music, one film and TV, and one life segment today uh, for this episode. So let's start with let's start with music actually, because it's probably the, the latest of the stories if you remember last week uh artists uh jermaine dupree hopped on a tv show i forgot what tv show it was doesn't really matter and they asked him about female rappers in general and i want to put quote marks on female rappers because that's becoming more and more of uh, i'm trying to find a i'm trying to find a way to 
say it because a different way to say it because saying female rappers obviously puts the label on it and you'll you'll know what I'm talking about when I get into the uh, specific links that I have for this uh, to back up my to back up the conversation. So yeah, if you don't know, Jermaine Dupree was talking about quote unquote female rappers and saying that there's I guess no variety anymore. And saying, you know, it's just strippers talking about stripper shit. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but you can look up the quote, the specific quote if you want to. It's just, he basically just denigrated people like Cardi B. And on the flip side, denigrated people like a Rhapsody, like a Moomoo Fresh, like a uh, Lil Sims. Saying that, you know, there's, there's stripper rappers and then there's just that's it you know it's it's not how it's it's not that black and white it's really not that black and white um so well for first thing uh, as a personal point there's this thing about validation here that we can't that we have to that we have to understand and get rid of i guess because i have i personally have to uh, female artists in my top five right now, Rhapsody and Lil Sims. Right, I have that. That's that's how that's how I truly believe. I believe they are in the top five right now. I think their pen games are just elite, top level, top tier, whatever you want to call it, however you want to describe it. I think they're. I think they're both amazing. I think they're up there with the Kendricks and who else do I have on the list? I think it's Loyal Kana and maybe Dave. I, I think it's Dave. Hang on, but let me try and find it. Uh, da, da, da. Right now, right now. Where's the right now one? Where is the right now list? There it is, Dave. <laughs> okay, yes. Kendrick, Dave, Loyal Kana, Rhapsody, Lil Sims, okay? That's my top five right now. And that's just, that's my opinion. It's not it's complete subjective. It's, how, it's what I think. And... You know, I can't. I constantly have to. I feel like I have to put more effort into bigging up these uh, female artists simply because I don't think they get the respect they deserve. I don't think they get the listenership they deserve. And obviously, there are a lot of male artists that don't get the recognition they deserve. But obviously, it's um. If I can paraphrase a Mumu Fresh lyric, it's uh, being a woman is like being black twice. Now, if you want to break that down, you know, obviously there's the social hierarchy, there's being a white man, there's being a white woman, there's being a black man, there's being an Asian man, there's being an, a- there's being an Asian woman, and then there's being a black woman, and then you can f- throw all the others uh, if you want to in between. Black women are low on the on the social hierarchy, it's just, a, it's just how it is, you know, um, and that's unfortunate. And it's something that I feel like has to be corrected. And will obviously take a long time correcting, but let's not get into that. Um, so, for one for one quote, I want to, one set of quotes actually I want to give. Uh, this is by Jean Grey, who's another amazing uh, rapper, because she doesn't like be, be, she doesn't like having the female uh, quote put on it. So I'll respect her, you know, views and just say rapper. And... You know, you 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 guys know you you guys know who she is because it's just I I just said she, so you know you can take you. That's how it works. You know, if you say she, then you should immediately clock that. Ah, it's a woman. Okay, don't no, no I don't have to say female rapper. That's how it works. But anyway, let's get into her tweets right here because I think she puts it 
very perfectly uh, she wraps up very perfectly into in response to Jermaine Dupri and all of this conversation about validation and also you know Cardi B also had some thoughts about it and she she shouted out you know Rhapsody and a, and a couple of others um, a couple of other female artists and I'll I'll have some I'll have some thoughts on that and I'll leave it for last because um, um, yeah I just want to leave it leave it for last to be honest so here's here's one of the three points I want to get to so this is Jean Grey uh, Jean Grey set Jean Grey's set of tweets. Quote, here's what you can do instead of including me in these rap conversations I don't care to be a part of. Stop subcategorizing women who do their jobs in any field as a female, insert career here, just stop. Stop being theoretical fans that don't pay any attention to what I or others you claim to be fans of say or do. That's how I know you don't listen to a word I've said. You keep calling me something up adamant about not being called. Support any of these women with sales or attendance or viewing numbers. Just using us as pawns in arguments is not support. Supply and demand is what matters and changes things. Personally, I have moved on. I do other things, I have other things forever, and I deserve credit uh, for all my amazing shit. Not the tiny box you've made that makes you feel better about what quote-unquote real is. Okay, that's all my piece. None of it is up for debate or and conversation. None of it. I have a whole one-woman show I'm currently doing again tonight. Buy tickets and go to that shit. Grow with people or be stagnant and whack forever. Your choice. Ask me about my show or <coughs> excuse me, or nothing at all. If you're offended by any of this, lol, dot, 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 you really have never listened to me. Genius ticket link in bio would be great. So this is basically you know, what I was trying to get at, of how we are doing this subcategorizing as a as a talk as a debate exercise as a conversational exercise i can i feel like i have a leg to stand on here when i talk about this particular conversation simply because i feel like i listen to a lot of <laughs> a lot of artists who are female i feel like i have a healthy diet of of gender balance i, I feel like i genuinely have that if you want to test it on me, if you want to test me on it, then sure, go ahead and test me on it. You know, I just, I just, even if I just say I have raps and little sims in my top five, <laughs> you know, you can you can say I'm bullshitting, and and that's your opinion. But it's how it's it's how I feel. It's how it's literally how I, it's just how I feel, and it's how I think about it. But she has this. Uh, but Jean obviously has this um great uh, and well thought out opinion that she's had for a while. And she sees through all you got. She she sees through everybody. She sees through it because, I mean, it's it's Friday. It's Friday now. This conversation happened the twelfth of July. Okay, that's a whole week, you know. And nobody's talking about it anymore. I wonder if if if. And this is what this. Uh, uh, let me get to Cardi B right quick, actually, because this actually mixes in with it. It's fine having these conversations. Okay. But like I say, when we talk about race, like I say, when we talk about diversity, inclusion, however you want to slice it, okay? Talk the talk is fine, but we also need to walk the walk. And this is also one of those things where we need to walk the walk. Rhapsody is dropping an album called Eve, and she has already put on wax that it's going to be a homage to all her female heroes. Right, that is what you call that's that's the inclusion that we're talking about. Now, I'll get the the final point I'll get to later mixes in with this. 
Uh, but just to continue with this point, um, if Rhapsody's doing that, then I want to, and if Cardi B's talking about it, I also want to see Cardi B have female artists on her albums. I want to see her put other female artists on the pedestal. It is fine talking about it. It is fine putting their at, uh, on, uh, atting their, uh, IG account on your story. It's all well and good doing that. But it's not enough. It really isn't enough. It really isn't. Uh, Lil, Lil, uh, um, Lil Kim, Nicki Minaj has has in her entire in her entire music career, in her entire music career that spans over a decade now. Answer this question. I'll give you a few seconds of dead air just to think about it. All right, or you can actually pause it. Um, or yeah, if you, if you want to go look it up, go look it up. I don't really care if you have the answer or not off by heart, but go look it up anyway. Go look up how many female features that Nicki Minaj has had on her albums. Go look it up right now. Go Google it. The answer is one. Foxy Brown. One. One. Singular. One female artist on her albums. That is not inclusion, ladies and gentlemen. That is not enough. There are many male artists that probably have that have had many, many more. And she's supposed to be, you know, she's supposed to be the queen. Excuse the, um, excuse the airplane if you hear it. She's supposed to be the queen of rap, and she's not, and she's not uplifting. You know, it's, this is this is the conversation we're supposed to be, we should be having, where it is not enough to just be atting these, these amazing artists. I will say that they are amazing artists. And to get to, let's get to the last point just to finish off, because because uh, this mixes in with the rest of it and <clears throat> and connects with the whole thing. So black, the R and B ice black, you know, it says six lakh, but it's pronounced black. Uh, quote tweeted a response to everything by Jermaine Dupree, who uh, on the same day as all this stuff uh, on the twelfth of July said, "This is what Jermaine Dupree said after all the calls, DMs, angry tweets, and other messages messages saying I am a major gatekeeper in the hip hop world. Why don't I invest in fem- in a female who is out there hustling and making a name for herself? I decided to create the so so deaf female cipher detail coming soon. Now that's just um, that's just very convenient, isn't it? So let's get into Black's response to that. He quote tweeted it saying, "Women in hip hop don't need representation approval from men." Uh, brackets your cipher sounds more reactive than proactive i agree if you don't have a fave artist that hits on the subjects you want to hear you could solve that with a quick search and some support plus if they want if they do want to talk about sex they can now the key point that i want to get to this and i'll finish it on this is when he says women in hip-hop don't need representation approval from men false they do need representation well they do need not approval for men, but support from men. From men, so I'll, I'll switch it up a little bit. Obviously, they don't need approval from men. They, you know, they don't. They don't give a fuck about men. It's fine. Do your things, right? But they do need support from men if they need. If they want to get this. If they want to get to this level of, you know, of you know, getting what's what uh, what's due, getting their credit, okay, and getting what they getting their merit. Of having a meritocracy, right? It's the same with race. We don't... Uh, black people and people of colour need white people's support to get up, okay? They need they need the hierarchy 
They need the people above them to support them. They don't need them pushing them down. Women in hip-hop don't need men pushing them down. They don't need people like Jermaine Dupree. And the many other keyboard warriors that go on, you know, uh, either Rhapsodies or uh, MC Lights or Queen Latifah's uh, or uh, who else? <laughs> Afro Pass, whatever. Where, uh, you know, Lady of Rage, take your pick. You know, and saying like, oh, they're not sex, they're not sexy. Or going to Nicki Minaj, Megan Thee Stallion, Cardi B, and going like, all you talk about is sex and money, which which I mean they do. And, you know, this is how I feel. But, you know, it's not a matter of validation. It's a matter of support. And it's even better if you actually generally like their music like I do. And I'm not saying I'm, you know, the gold standard of men that support women. Of course not. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying I'm trying to... I'm saying I'm trying. That's what I'm trying to say here. I'm saying I'm trying to support these amazing women who do amazing music and if you listen to them you know for a year or so you'd actually see that they might be talking about something that you might respect at least respect you might not like them you might not find them oh that hits hard you know you might not find them as bangers but there are genuinely some great artists out there and you shouldn't need me to say it you shouldn't need black to say it we shouldn't need Jermaine Dupree to say it, but unfortunately we do because men are the hierarchy in this gen in this gender world that we're, that we're in right now. So <clears throat> if we're if we're talking about Jean Grey, uh, Jean Grey's point that we should ditch this female insert job here, I completely agree with that. But there also needs to be a a touchstone of progress. You know, saying the first black something and the first female something, the first Hispanic something, the first Asian something, it ge- I I believe it generally does help, but it shouldn't stop there. You know, it shouldn't stop there. It should galvanize. I don't think people like Jean Grey should see it as a crutch. You know, not not particularly. When the conversation goes longer for when the conversation goes longer and dies out and then blows up again, then sure, of course, we shouldn't be saying that. But if Rhapsody won that Grammy for best rap album, boy, boy, the the think pieces, the think pieces that would have dropped after that. So it's a fine line. But simply put, if you're a male and you enjoy hip hop, listen to female hip hop artists. Because there are so many. There are so many great ones right there, out there. Take it from me. There are so there are so many great ones out there. And it's kind of... And think of it as food. Do you really want to eat apples all your life? No. You want to try some oranges? You want to try some peaches? <laughs> right, I'm, getting, I'm getting problematic because we've got... <laughs> We get onto film and TV, and I was going to talk about uh, a. What was I going to talk about? I 
think I was going to talk about Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who um, has been who's been caught uh, well, who's been shouted at for being posh and you know saying that is not that's obviously not the not the main reason. She she basically is like putting aside her privilege, you know, and you know we can we can have that conversation any any time whenever she drops anything because she has she's been working <laughs> she's been getting work honestly amazing she, she's she's an amazing person in terms of writing she's done amazing work she's doing the she's doing the bond script right now and obviously if you heard the news uh, lashana lynch is going to be the new 007 <laughs> stay mad um <laughs> but anyway uh we're gonna get to uh the emmys uh which is uh I think it's just TV, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a T- it's just TV awards, American TV awards. So the TV Grammy, uh, the TV Grammy, TV Oscars, however you want to uh, look at it, it's one of those. It's the jewel in the crown for television. So let's get into the let's get let's, let's get into the nominations because you know I like my nominations. Uh, best drama series: uh, Better Call Saul, Bodyguard, Game of Thrones, Killing Eve, Ozark, Pose, Succession, and This Is Us. Now we can firmly take out Game of Thrones. <laughs> Uh, I would say I'd personally say K- Killing Eve. I really enjoyed Killing Eve, uh, and I'd also enjoy Bodyguard. Uh, I can see Pose getting in there if we're really going for that, you know, progressive vote. And that is, je- and that is def- definitely possible. I haven't seen Pose, but I know the, I know the hype that's going around it. Uh, this is Us is obviously one of those staples, uh, staple shows that have been have been there for a good few years now, and just constantly getting nominations and. Uh, you know, it's just a, it's just high quality all the time, you know, so that's always going to be there. Yeah, but I'd, I'd say, per- I personally say Killing Eve, I can see Pose getting in there, I could also see Bodyguard getting in there, maybe Succession actually, I've heard that's a quite good show, so, you know, any of those could win, but I'd personally go for Killing Eve. Comedy series, we've got Barry, Fleabag, The Good Place, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Russian Doll, <laughs> Shits Creek, uh, pronounced S-C-H-I-T-T, and Veep. Um, I've actually been watching Veep. I watched the previous series. I watched season six. I'm about to watch season seven. Uh, about to catch up on that. It's uh, very enjoyable. I've always enjoyed Veep. Always loved that show. <sighs> I also like Fleabag. You know, Fleabag's cool. I can see that winning. I think the Phoebe Waller Bridge hype is high right now, and I can see that winning for sure. Um, Marvelous Miss Maisel and Good Place have been have been uh, getting some good traction. Uh, I th- I'd say one of those four, Veep, Fleabag, Good Place, and Mrs. Maisel. I think one of those four will get it. Limited series, we got Chernobyl, Escape to Escape at Danamora, Fosse Verdon, Verdon, Sharp Objects, and When They See Us. Okay, right here we go. Now we're getting to good stuff. Um, now I did say I watched Chernobyl, but I haven't I haven't seen Chernobyl yet. <laughs> it's still on my it's still on my list. It's still it's still on the. You, you should see my sky panel. It's an absolute. It's an absolute bomb site. It's disgusting. It's disgusting how many shows that that they're sitting there just waiting to be watched. It's disgraceful. Um, I mean, I'm gonna go for when they see us. I've I've said I've talked about it many times. I believe it should win every freaking award. Is the most um, one of the most amazing limited series I've seen, you know, in my life. Amazing story, amazing filming, amazing acting, amazing performances. And you'll get, a f- and we'll see a few more of them in this, uh, uh, in this nomination set. So, yeah, when they see us, I will go for that immediately. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Chernobyl won it as well, but I'm going for when they see us all day. TV movie, Black Mirror Bandersnatch. <laughs> oh, for God's sake, 
B, you know, EU leave, that, that word, uh, that tragic HBO show that was done way too freaking early when there's no, when there's lawsuits and, you know, misinformation going around, should not, should not have been made. Deadwood the movie, King Lear and My Dinner with Herve. I really don't know what they, what would, what's going to go here. Uh, maybe Deadwood the movie because I, I know people were really really wanting that back. Maybe that's a that's a that's a good shout. Bandersnatch. I think that was good for a day and then I think I don't know. Did you guys like it? I think you guys. I think you guys said you liked it when you didn't really like it all that much. Uh, I think you guys overhyped it. Uh, I, I will admit. I think you guys overhyped it just a little bit. So uh, I I think it's one of them too. I have no idea what my dinner with Herve is. I'm um, no way that B f- uh, B film is coming out uh, is getting it. So uh, yeah, probably one of those two, Deadwood or Bandersnatch. Um, I'm not gonna do lead actor and actresses. Well, I could do lead actress actually. Let me do lead actress because I I don't, I've I can't do the men. I can't do the men. I've ne- I haven't seen any of the shows, so I can't really say. Uh, lead actress, we've got Amelia Clark, jo- Jodie Comer, Viola Davis, Laura Linney, Mandy Moore, Sandra Oh, and Robin Wright. <sighs> you guys know I love my uh, Viola Davis, had a group of murder, amazing show, always uh, high quality at all times. Amelia Clark's obviously quite kind of lit. <sighs> Killing Eve, obviously, Jodie Comer and Sandra Oh, they, they cleaned up at the BAFTAs. So I'd say one of the Killing Eve girls... Uh, I, I, I want to say Viola Davis because it's Viola Davis, uh, but I don't think she'll get it this time. I think it's going to be one of the Killing Eve ladies. I think it's going to be one of those. Uh, uh, leading actor in a comedy, nah. Lead actress in a comedy, nah. Well, it's either going to be Julia Louis Dreyfus or Phoebe Waller Bridge, I think. Uh, or, or Rachel Brosnan, uh, uh, who for Mrs. Maisel. One of those three, I think. Uh, lead actor in a limited series or movie. Oh, I could do this one, actually. Yeah, okay. We got uh, my boy, Mahershala Ali, uh, Benicio Del Toro, Hugh Grant, Jared Harris, Gerald Jerome, and Sam Rockwell. Now, Gerald Jerome, uh, uh, acting as Corey Wise, and when they see us, amazing performance. Uh, he he acted as uh, young Corey and older Corey uh, at the same time. None of the other actors did that. Um, he just completely carried the last episodes, just emotionally, absolutely an amazing performance. Marshall Lee is a G. Um, Jared Harris is in Chernobyl, obviously very good performance, uh, from what I've heard. <laughs> um, I would say one of those, I'd say one of those three. I really want Jarrell Jerome to win, I would love it if he won. He's only 21 years old, uh, so that would be an amazing win. I would love to go, love him to uh, go for it. I love him to get it. Uh, lead actress in a limited series and movie. We've got Amy Adams, Patricia Arquette, Anjanou Ellis, my girl, Joe, uh, Joey King, Niecy Nash, and Michelle Williams. Uh, so we've got two for when they see us here. We've got Niecy Nash and Anjanou Ellis. I would, over over them two, I would go for Anjanou Ellis. I think she's great. She's an amazing actress. I've seen her in so many, uh, so many shows. Uh, she's great in everything. Uh, Quantico. Uh, oh, what's her... What was it? What was it called? Uh, she added um, Aminata Diallo in. Uh, I forgot the name of it. Call me by Call me by my name. Something like that. No, no, no. That's the that's the gay one. <laughs> um, it's something like something. My name. You will know my name. 
what is my oh, damn? I forgot the show, but she she plays as a um a slave who is free and she's able to read and she does amazing stuff. It's, oh, it's just such an amazing. It's, uh, look up the Book of Negroes and it should be there. It should the show itself should be there. It's not called the Book of Negroes, but it's based on the Book of Negroes, which is a legit thing. So look that up and look up her performance. It's just amazing on that show. Uh, New Ellis all day for that one. <clears throat> competition program i i could not care less uh this one i could do variety talk series so we've got daily show trevor noah full frontal samantha b jimmy kimmel last week tonight with john oliver uh james corden and also stephen colbert uh i like stephen colbert i listen i I watch his uh, videos on youtube now and again trevor noah is obviously uh constantly uh getting the job done uh, Samantha B does some great work uh, with her group, and also John Oliver const- consistently uh, does Don work. Uh, I don't know who to pick personally. I guess maybe either, probably either Stephen Colbert or Trevor Noah. I would personally go for, but I can see John Oliver. I can see Samantha B win actually. She's uh, she does amazing work. Uh, so yeah, I'd say one of those four for sure. James Corden can fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Um, Supporting actress, nah, I can't do that. Supporting actor, nah, I can't do that. Supporting actress in a comedy, yeah. Supporting actress in a comedy, nope. Supporting actress in a limited series, hmm. So they have Marsha, Stephanie Blake, and Vera Farmiga from uh, both from When They See Us, and Emily Watson from Chernobyl. She's an amazing actress as well. She does great work. Um, I'm trying to think uh, who they were. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who they were, to be honest. Um, I would look up their names right quick, but I won't, I won't bother just for the sake of time. Um, but as I said, when they see us, I want them to win it all. So I'll just, want, I'll, I'll just say that. Uh, supporting actor in a limited series. Uh, we've got three. What is that? One, two, three from when they see us. We've got Michael K. Williams, John Leguizamo, and Asante Black. Ooh, that's a great, that's a great set. Michael K. Williams was... He was good. He, he he was good. It's uh, I think he did better in something like um, what was he? What was the prison one from um a couple of years ago with uh Riz Ahmed? That show, I forgot what it was called. It was in New York, and Riz Ahmed went to Rikers, and he was un- he was put under Michael K. Williams' uh, wing. Damn, I'm I'm flopping with show names today. <laughs> Oh damn! I, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll look it up in a bit. I'll look it up in a in a in a brief interval. Uh, guest actress? No. Guest actor? Nah. Not gonna bother with that. Guest actress? Mm, nope. Guest actor? Nope. Structured reality program? <laughs> Who do you think I am? Nope. Unstructured reality program? No. Not gonna do that. <laughs> um, variety special? Hmm. That's interesting, okay. Golden Globes, Grammys, Lie in Front of Studio, All It's Normal Is, All in Family and Jefferson's, the Oscars, Rent, and uh, 72nd Annual Tony Awards. I guess it's more of how the perform- how the how the whole thing went, if it went clean, I guess. I don't really know how you can decide this. Ooh, I really enjoyed the Grammys, you know what I mean? Who who says that? Um I guess I guess the I guess the Oscars? I don't I don't really know. I I can't really I don't know how that works. I guess live in front of a studio audience because I was like, because um, that was like a genuine, uh, you know, live show, and it wasn't has been done before. And Jamie Fox and Wanda Sykes were there, and it was a great cast as well. So yeah, I'd probably go for that to be honest. That looked good. Um, 
Okay, this one's actually good. Informational series or special? So we've got Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown. I started watching that. I'm on season one at the moment. Amazing show. Uh, comedians and Cars Getting Coffee? Nah. Leah Ramini, Scientology in the Aftermath. My guest needs an introduction with David Letterman and Surviving R. Kelly. <sighs> now, I would go for Surviving R. Kelly simply because of, you know, the 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 timeliness of it and obviously the uh, the the weight, the social the social commentary it had. Um, it could also go for the posthumous vote, which is obviously anti Bourdain, RIP. I don't think the others will get it. I think it's gonna be between those two and I think it'll probably be Surviving R. Kelly. Uh, they also got directing and writing as well, and I'm not going to bother for that because that's just long, <clears throat> and we have a whole show left, <laughs> so uh, we we shall we shall continue with it, but not after I try and find this um, this bloody uh, this bloody show that Riz Ahmed was in, and also uh, Anjanu Ellis is in, because I really want to get them uh, get their uh, <coughs> get their show uh, get their shows. Right, Riz Ahmed, boom. Well, it is the damn show. The Night Of. There you go. That's the Riz Ahmed show. The Night Of. That was amazing. That was an amazing show. That was an amazing show. I love that. love that shit. That was a, that was a, that was a really great Riz Ahmed performance. I didn't know he would get that. He would be that good. But, boy. He he bossed it. He, he bossed it, really. From You know, it's, it's only like a few episodes. But the way he grows throughout the series, obviously it's, about, it's, um, it's throughout like a few years. Boy. Boy, 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 it's an amazing, amazing uh, uh, damn show. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so it's called the... The Ordinary show is called The Book of Negroes. Um, I swear it was also called something else. Uh, in the UK, it was called something else. I forgot, um, but it's called The Book of Negroes. So if you want to look that up, it's a TV series, 4 hours and 25 minutes. I think it's like 4 or 5 episodes. Ordinary Ellis, Larik Bent, Ben Chaplin's in it. Um, if you've uh, seen something like um, uh, Mad Dogs, if you remember that show. Yeah, so it's Lou Gossett Jr.'s in there. Uh, Cuba Gooding Cuba Gooding Jr.? Is he in it? Oh, yeah, he is in it. I, I totally forgot about that. But, yeah, great cast, great show. Give it a watch. But, anyway, um, just one last word, I guess, um, just to kick it all off, um, or just end, cop, top it all off. Um, TV's, in a, TV's, in a, TV's in a good place, you know? I've, 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 I feel unfortunate that... It's unfortunate for me that I can't watch as much TV as I do because I've kind of replaced my music intake with mu- uh, my t- f- uh, film and TV intake with music. Literally, I haven't been to see a film. What is up with these planes, man? Damn, I haven't been, I haven't seen a film since Avengers: uh, Endgame. I haven't, I haven't been to a cinema since, so it's tragic. It's really is tragic. But um, yeah, man, TV's in a good place, and I think there's something for every. There's nearly something for everyone now, and you know, if we're going down that diversity route. That's progress. So we move on to our second uh, music topic and third topic of the whole show. Now, this is a... <laughs> okay, so um, this is actually quite interesting because... Uh, Obviously today is Friday, which means new music, and we have been, all I've been seeing on the social media today is uh, Beyonce's, uh, what do you want to call it, curated Lion King, the gift album, whatever you want to call it, Uh, a lot of Nigerian and uh, South African, I think there's a Ghanaian artist on there, so plenty of amazing African artists on there. And uh, I haven't listened to it yet, I'm going to listen to it after after I record this actually, uh, probably. 
hopefully, sometime this weekend, I hope, I'm just going to give myself a wide berth here and just say, this weekend I'm going to listen to it. Um, and yeah, so this is, um, <laughs> this is going to be an interesting conversation now that I've, now that I've just mentioned that. Uh, so this is an article from Ellen E. Jones of The Guardian here, and it is called, Why Do Light-Skinned Women Dominate the Pop Charts? As I just mentioned, Beyonce. <laughs> And literally, it says in the uh, it says in the uh, subheading uh, from K-pop to K-pop stars to Beyonce, the issue of colorism remains rife in the music industry. So, without further ado, let's get into this fun, another colorism debate, uh, another colorism conversation. <clears throat> it seems every conversation about colorism in pop must come back to Beyonce. Funny enough, uh, so it was when Matthew Knowles, record exec, former Destiny's Child manager and Beyonce's father, appeared on Sirius XM Radio to discuss research by Texas Southern University, where he is a visiting professor. Their study found that over a 15-year period, it was lighter-skinned black women, the likes of Alicia Keys, Rihanna, Nicki Minaj, Mariah Carey, and of course Beyonce, who dominated dominated top 40 airplay. When asked about how, when asked how different Beyonce's career would have been had she been darker skin, Knowles was Knowles was unequivocal. "Quote: I think it would have affected her success." Indeed, Beyonce descends via her mother's line from Louisiana's Creoles of Color, or Jeans de Couleur Libres. If I said that, I probably butchered that French. God, I'm disgusting. A distinct ethnic group in 17th and 18th century America who developed from unions between Europeans and Africans and held privileged positions in society relative to enslaved Africans. Beyoncé celebrated this heritage on her track formation, and while Creoles of colour lost their favourable social status from the early 19th century onwards, her shade-based caste system with whiteness at its apex persists to this day. Another airplane! This is like the third during this recording. It's absurd. I hate this shit. I hate being under flight path. Sorry, let me continue. That historical context <laughs> seems to have lost. However, in some contemporary music industry conversations, which reframe the issue as light-skinned stars struggle for acceptance. Quote, There's colorism involved in the black community, which is very apparent, said R&B pop, star, uh, pop singer Tinashe in 2017. It's about trying to find a balance where I'm a mixed woman, and sometimes I feel like I don't fully fit into the black community. They don't fully accept me, even though I see myself as a black woman. Or, or there's a 2018 Beats 1 interview in which mixed-race uh, Georgia Smith expresses the difficulty she has reconciling the notion that she, she may have benefited from, quote, pretty privilege in her career with her lived experience of being bullied in a majority white school. Quote, there was some Georgia Smith versus colorism debate, and I understand. I get it. I'm a conversation starter. It's fine. Dot, dot, dot. Like I say, people always going to say something. At school, you know, my friends were blonde and skinny, and I had long hair. I had these huge extensions because I just didn't think I fitted in. People picked on me about it all the time, but, you know, pretty privilege has worked all through history. So you'd be forgiven for assuming that Identity Crisis, the new colorism-confronting pop single by light-skinned Dominican-Brazilian Jarina DiMarco, would be more of the same. In fact, the song takes a step back to offer some structural analysis of the issue, with lyrics such as, Marry fair, stay out of the sun, bleach your skin, isn't, it, isn't this fun? Damn, that's, that's, that's an interesting set of bars right there. Uh, DiMarco... Sar- 
satirizes, satirizes, why was I struggling saying that? Satirizes how white supremacist beauty standards are passed down by cos- the cosmetics industry and within our own families. Look at someone like Beyonce, says Lau Ra, a Colombian-born UK-based pop singer who appears in Identity Crisis' accompanying short film conversations on colorism. Don't get me wrong, she's a talent like no other, but her physical appearance perhaps played a small role in her initial, initial mainstream appeal. Like DeMarco, Lau Ra also acknowledges her own light skin privilege, saying, quote, Perhaps I have the right amount of exoticism, it plays in my favour, I suppose, but in the major scheme of things, it sucks that relatability comes from how light or dark you are rather than the music you're making. The openness remains unusual in the music industry, where commercial considerations seem to make pop stars in particular prone to adopting society's prejudices. And colorism isn't only a thing within the African diaspora. This kind of intra-community discrimination is big in Korea too, says Amy Alport, a British-born language tutor and K-pop fan who lives in East Asia. Quote, The everyday Korean is very interested in the beauty standards that are set by idols, K-pop stars, such as their weight and, of course, their skin colour. There are a a handful of artists of mixed African-American and Korean heritage who have made Korean Korean language songs about racism, such as rapper Yoon Mi Ray's Black Happiness, but colorism is much more widely practiced and much less openly challenged. Witness the numerous YouTube clips of boy bands EXO and BTS teasing supposedly darker members or pointedly applying high-factor sun cream. Allport points out that darker-skinned K-pop stars are also often stereotyped as sexy in comparison to their cute, doll-like, paler counterparts, citing the example of Hyolin uh, from Sistar, who is known as the Korean Beyonce. Fuck me. Okay, um, I'm going to continue, because I'm going to go down to the last uh, uh, last, uh, f- uh, last few paragraphs, because uh, there's a great piece about uh, Lioness, who's a UK artist, uh, and she and she gets into... Uh, she gets into uh, this whole conversation as a dark-skinned uh, rapper. Around 2011, this all became a bit much for UK, UK grime artist Lioness. Quote, I stopped creating music for about six years, and in that time I constantly saw on social media dark-skinned women being the topic of banter from most commonly dark-skinned men. She says, part of the reason I left the industry was because, because of comments from A&Rs about my complexion, dot, dot, dot. It wasn't in their interest to go up, uh, to go against the belief wisdom within the industry that the general public wouldn't buy into a dark-skinned female. When Lioness did make a comeback, it was with a renewed determination to tell the truth about this industry-wide issue. Her 2018 release DBT, Dead Black Ting, remix, brought together a, mel- uh, a melanin magnificent lineup of female MCs, Queenie, Stoosh, Shiesty, Lady Leisha, and Lil Sims. Lioness's new project, Overdraft, comes out in October, and she says she has absolutely noticed an industry change in the meantime. Quote, we have dark-skinned males now making songs that broach the topic. The dark-skinned male has always been accepted within the, mu- within the music industry, so when he now speaks on colorism, it's monumental. When it comes from black women themselves, however, it's unfortunately seen by the masses as another complaint. The angry black female strikes again. Linus specifically points to, to two recent releases, the shining beacon of paternal pride that is Getz's Black Rose, and a sultry summary desire of Che Lingo's Black Girl Magic, 
further afield, there's also Black Hypocrisy by Jamaican dancehall artist Spice and Kendrick Lamar's Complexion Azulu Love. Beyonce is great, we all stand Beyonce, but if Beyonce is the only shade that's celebrated, then the whole world is missing out. Quote, I'm glad I took out took time out at 22 years old to thicken my skin and realise my worth, says Lioness. In 2019, I accept any challenge where my complexion is concerned. So this also, this is kind of another thing, another conversation where, you know, before I was talking about women in hip-hop, women in music in general... And women in general, where we, where they need men to support them, to lift them up, so they can gain that equity, can gain that equality, and it's the same here on a colorism standpoint, where there are light-skinned artists, there are light-skinned people, and you know, just to talk about myself, I am reasonably in the spectrum of not not light-skinned such as uh, if you haven't seen me ever i'm not light-skinned like a like a georgia smith i'm a little bit darker than that uh but i'm not fully brown skin you know i'm I'm kind of in that middle ground of just above light but just under brown so uh however you want to label that go ahead and label it i just lay myself as <laughs> mixed race to be honest but um uh yeah so this is this is a conversation that light-skinned artists gain more another plane i can't believe this sorry i don't know why i'm really getting riled up about this because i've i've had planes you know interrupt my recording before but this is absurd i've never had four in one recording that is madness anyway um it's just how it, it this this whole thing comes from and if you wanted to paint me on this then go ahead but i think it's fact to be completely honest with you this all stems out of white view, out of the white gaze, out of what white people think it, of what white people thinks subconsciously or consciously, however you want to slice it, you might not even know it, you might not even realise it, but white people see light-skinned people, and another thing, I just want to, I just want to put a whole umbrella on this conversation that I don't like the concept of light, brown, dark-skinned. I don't like the concept of it. I understand that it's needed for the conversation, but I just don't like it when people reference them, reference themselves as it. You know, when they reference themselves as laties or, you know, darkies, you know, it's just, eh, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. It really does. So I just want to put that out there and just umbrella this whole conversation with how I feel about the about the terms I'm using, I don't really like them, but I understand they need to be used in these conversations, I, re- I do understand that, so, just to say that, um, yes, this all comes out of, this all comes out of a white gaze, this, this, and because of that, it's come to a point where, obviously, it's been a few hundred years since slavery, and this, the, the, the ripples of that are still here, we might not think they are, you might not want to believe they are, but in this case of skin colour and how popular it makes you, and how, uh, what's the what's the called, palatable it makes you, it's a great word to use, how palatable it makes you, it is relevant. It is all relevant. And it is a struggle for black people of a darker skin tone. In 
many facets, not just music, modeling, specially modeling, uh, film, television, the arts. It's harder. It's harder simply because, and this goes back to last week's conversation talking about art criticism and how white male critics may not understand or relate to or even empathize or sympathize, well, not sympathize, empathize with a black person's art, it's the same thing, where they see a light-skinned person, and because it's closer to this, you know, because it's closer to this, to the white skin tone, it's much more relatable, it's less, quote-unquote, different, you know? And when a dark when a dark skinned person delivers a piece of art, and they can't people people may not be able to relate to it because they're white or because they're light skinned, and because of that, they lose the they lose the social weight that might be merited. For this, for this particular, you know, piece of art that we that I'm that I'm making up right now, it's the same with it's the same with um, it's the same when it comes to you know black pain, black love, you know, it, it's it's whatever emotion you want to put to it. If someone puts it to their art form. If you're from, if you're of a darker skin tone, and especially if you live in a white dominant society like the UK or the US or anywhere in Europe, it's harder to gain eyes. It's harder to gain hearts. Light-skinned artists don't have a big of a hurdle, and it's just a, it's just how it is. It may be how it is, but like for most of the things I talk about, there's always room for change. And, excuse me, I believe that while I rate someone like like a Georgia Smith, I love her voice, I love her music, and I don't really try and, you know, I don't really look her like that. But then again, at the same time, I see her photos, I see the amount of likes she gets on Instagram, and she's only been relevant for like, you know, a couple of years. It's it, it's kind of It's kind of telling. It's kind of telling. And then you look at someone like a... Who's on a level popularity-wise. Um, who's on a level like a... Like, I guess a... Little Sims, there you go. Little Sims has been doing it for 10 years. And she might not be on the popularity level like Georgia Smith. There's just a... There's just a... Easy, there's just a little... Less of a hill for light-skinned artists and light-skinned people in, in society. It's just how it is, and it needs to be acknowledged. Light-skinned people need to acknowledge it, and um, and also, obviously, in every conversation about race, white people need to acknowledge it. So, you know, go ahead, white people, acknowledge it. So we come to the last uh, segment, and uh, it's life, 
and I'm going to I'm going to make it try and make it short because I can go on forever. Um, I've already recorded for about 55 minutes, so I want to, I want to keep it brief. Um, so I just want to vent because, like I said, this past at the start of the show, this past month has been very trying for me, uh, and the reason why is simply because I've just had a lot. You know, I've been trying to do uh, interviews. I've been trying to write this script, and that's going that's going okay. Um, uh, I had a deadline on Thursday. That's why I was trying to put so much work into it the past couple of weeks, and I actually had a battle with you know procrastination. I was really procrastinating for the part for the two weeks before that, so I was feeling the pressure for the first time in ages. I really feel pressure when I'm writing, but that I generally felt it, even though it's not a deadline for finishing it. It was a deadline for just, you know, putting the skeleton on the whole script. I won't go into detail, but yeah, I was putting the skeleton on the script so my writing my writing partners can put the meat on it. And I felt the pressure. Um, and it's not because of that. It's also compounded by the fact that I have, and obviously the reason why uh, I had to ditch what's good a couple of weeks ago was because of my sister's mental health. Um, she's currently going through, um, a, just a, well, like I said, just a mental battle. Um, I won't go into details of what happens. What I will say is that we don't know what triggers it. We know what happens. We know that we need to, we know what, uh, we can do to help, but sometimes it's just not enough. She, it's like being in the woods where she, she's the only person that can get herself out of it. And me and my mother can do only so much. Um, I've lost sleep over it. I've cried over it in the past couple of weeks. She's had episodes and it's happened three times in the past six weeks. And it's burning me. It's it's burning me in in you know in in my soul, I guess. It really is. It's, it hurts. And you know, um she's getting tests, she's going to get tests. Unfortunately, it's in two months. Which um, is annoying simply because if we're going by this two-week trajectory, <laughs> then how 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 many weeks is that? So that's uh, eight weeks. So that's four more episodes. That's four more episodes before she gets a before she gets the test she needs. You know that's not that's not on. And I could talk about the NHS, and I will briefly because you know I've said it so many times about. You know, um, politics right now, where we're all talking about freaking leaving the EU, and it's the most unnecess- unnecessary exercise in our his- country's history, in my mind. We're going to get a new Prime Minister in Boris Johnson, who's a complete and utter invalid from a politics standpoint, not from a, you know, actual by-the-book invalid standpoint. Pol- p- Politics-wise, he is kind of stupid. And it's only going to get worse from here. And there's no focus going into mental health. There's no focus going into mental uh, to uh, to the NHS in general. And that really angers me. It has angered my sister for years, and now it's starting to anger me because obviously, because her problems are going into uh, are compounding with my life pressures, and I'm starting to feel it now. And I really do, you know. Some for people that know me, I'm most I'm I'm chill ninety percent of the time. Uh, 
<laughs> I'm, chill, I'm really chill 90% of the time. And the other 10% is when I want to rent. <laughs> you know, so I'm relatively chill. But this shit is burning me to my core. You know, just watching my sister go through this on a fortnightly basis. And my mother losing sleep over it. Me losing sleep over it. And it's it's just frustrating. And I know everyone else has their own problems. And everyone has their own mental health issues. Um, but I just wanted to vent, to be honest, because I just... Um, I'm not, it's ain't like a, you know, a blogging, vlogging kind of shit, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a reality show, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to keep it at 100 about what's going on, you know, I'm not feeling great at the moment, it's day by day, um, <laughs> to compound all this, our fridge went kaput the other day, so, so most of our food's fucked, <laughs> Um, so, you know, just to leave it on that, it's, um, I just want this month to be over, to be honest, <laughs> uh, but, you know, so, um, you keep chugging along, and everyone has their own life challenges, and I know that, and I'm always here to listen to other people's challenges, and some of you do tell me your challenges, so big up to you guys for telling me that, and I obviously tell some some of my friends my problems and what's going on, I keep them posted, and I value them highly, but, you know, at the end of the day, whether it's your own prob well, if it's your own problems, whether it be mental health or just trials and tribulations, at the end of the day, it is always, always up to you to rectify it. You can have as many people as you want supporting you, but they can't move your legs. They can't move your legs, and if you can't run, then you walk, if you can't walk, you crawl, but always move forward. It's a Martin Luther King quote. And nobody can help you do that. Nobody can help you move forward, so. Um, and if you're in the woods, you know, I hope you get better, and I hope you get out of the woods. I hope you get the help you need. Um, but at the end of the day, everyone needs to Everyone needs to do it themselves, so to speak. So, you know. And that is the dichotomy of life. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Um, honestly, I really appreciate you listening. Uh, this has been Moss Goods. I uh, hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've, I'm, I feel kind of better that I've got that out now. <sighs> um, I will try to have it have the show continue by, obviously, on, on a regular Thursday. It's obviously a one-off, um, but hopefully I can continue with the regular schedule by dropping on Thursday. Shout out to Digging in the Digits, and just as a little hype train, there might be a third podcast in the works as part of the Fulfillment Podcast Network, so stay tuned for that one. That, there may be something going on there. Don't want to, you know, uh, don't want to uh, get your hopes up, but there might be something in the works, so we, we shall see in the next couple of weeks or so. But yes, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, from the Fifth Element Podcast Network, I've been Charlie Taylor. This has been What's Good. Intro music is Too Much by Vanilla. Interlude is Vista by Poldor. 
the5thelm.org.uk for all the links that I've given during this episode. If you want to read Jean Grey's tweets, go for it. And if you want to respond to her, go for it. <laughs> and if you want to see the Emmy nominations that I didn't read out, go for it as well. So that's the5thelm.org.uk. Have a great week. I will try to do the same. Keep your mental health in check. Talk to your friends. Talk to your family. Until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.